0: Welcome to Working the Word with Jonathan Vorce. Join us now for service already in progress at Lakewood Church of God. And I want to talk to you for the next few moments this morning on being an ambassador of faith. Now, this is the first Sunday of 2018, and I think that God wants to get our feet, us to get our feet on the ground right here. Now, I've been in the ministry for a lot of years, a lot of decades now. And I love the Lord more today than I've ever loved Him in my life. And I've watched the church go through so many different cycles. It's kind of like, if you don't like what's happening in the church world today, just hang on for about five or ten years and it'll all change. It'll all look different five to ten years from now. Because God is into new things and God is constantly, He said, behold, I will do a new thing. And today it'll spring forth, and His mercy is new every morning. And, and uh, it, that's why it's important for us, and I ministered this to you last week. We need to be accepting and reach the next generation. And we need to be accepting of how they can receive the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because God has a way in every generation of communicating to that generation... And what happens is we fall into the trap of thinking that the only way that God can speak to anyone is the way He speaks to us. And that's just not true, church. God can speak in a variety of ways, many different ways. And we need to be open to that. We need to realize just because I don't necessarily like it or care for it, that doesn't mean that God's not at work. And so we need to learn to just open our hearts and participate in God's work on the earth. Realizing that we are ambassadors of the faith. We didn't come up with this message. It came from God. We carry the message. We carry the message. Father, we come to you right now in Jesus' name. And God, I pray that you would help me be able to effectively communicate what's on your heart for this congregation today. Touch me, Lord, to speak with fluency and clarity and in ways that everyone can understand. I thank you for the help of Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name. And everyone said... Amen. Luke chapter 14, verses 21 through 23 is our springboard scripture. It says, So that servant came and showed his Lord these things. Then the master of the house, being angry, said to his servant, Go out quickly into the streets and the lanes of the city, and bring in hither the poor and the maimed, and the halt and the blind. And the servant said, Lord, it is done as thou hast commanded, and yet there is room. Verse 23 says, And the Lord said unto the servant, Go out into the highways and the hedges and compel them to come in that my house may be filled. Now, in 1975, let me read this to you. In 1975, Dr. Bill Bright, founder of Campus Crusade for Christ and Dr. Lauren Cunningham who was the founder of Youth with a Mission, developed a God-given, world-changing strategy. Their mandate was to bring godly change to a nation by reaching its seven spheres, or mountains, of societal influence. Some people call them the seven pillars. They concluded that in order to truly transform any nation with the gospel of Jesus Christ, these seven faucets of society must be reached. And here they are, and they're on the paper that I gave you today. They're about the midways down. Number one, religion. Number two, family. Number three, education. Number four, government. Number five, media. Number six, arts and entertainment. And number seven, business. Now, this is the first Sunday of 2018, and I feel like that God is calling us as a church a little higher, that we are to be ambassadors of heaven's message, ambassadors of faith to the world. Jesus kind of addressed this here in Luke chapter 14, verses 21 through 23, by, by giving an example of a, suffer, of, of a supper. Now, now God is in the kingdom building. I just want you to know that. God's into kingdom building. He wants us to be participants in the building of His kingdom. And no excuse for non-participation will do with God. If you are saved, you are called. I said, if you are saved, you are called. You are called by God to be a participant in His work in the earth. Jesus was conversing with a guest concerning his invitation to the kingdom of God. And in Luke chapter 14 and verse number 18, the Bible said, now he used this parable of the great supper as an example. And in Luke chapter 14 and verse 18, the Bible says that those who were invited to this supper that we read about here, those that were invited to the supper all began to make excuses why they couldn't come. One said... Well, I'd I'd like to come, but, uh, you know, uh, I I bought some property and I need to go look at it. Like the property was going to go somewhere. But I bought some property and I need to go look at it. Uh, The second one said this. He said, uh, you know, I I bought five yoke of oxen. So I got, you know, ten oxen out there. I bought five yoke of oxen and I need to go check them out. I need to test them to see if they're really going to work. And so that was the excuse that was used. Now probably the most credible excuse that was given was the next one. It says, I got married, I can't come. <laughs> I mean, I can understand that. Maybe they are on a honeymoon or something like that. But there, the bottom line is they came up with any excuse that they could come up with to not participate in this great supper that this Lord had put together for them. So in verse 21 through 23, which I just read you here in Luke chapter 14, the host of the supper got very upset and he told his servants, he said, now listen, just go invite people. Get the halt and get the blind and get the poor and get the maimed. And then he goes and they came back and they said, we've went and gotten all of those people and there's still room. And then he said this, he said, go into the highways and the hedges and compel them to come in and this is the purpose that my house may be filled. That my house may be filled. Now the word compel there means to drive or to urge with force, irresistibly, to constrain, to oblige, to necessitate, either by physical or moral force. So what he was saying was, don't be shy about inviting these people. They're going to look at you with all kinds of excuses, but compel them to come in. Because I have prepared this massive supper, and somebody needs to eat it. Somebody needs to participate. And what Jesus was doing here in this particular parable is he was trying to get the message across that he's interested in people helping him be a part of the kingdom of God because he said, I go to prepare a place for you and if I go, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am there you may be also. God has put a lot of work into you. God's put a lot of work into the lost. God's put a lot of work into every single one of us and God wants to get the point across that I want to feed you. I want to take care of you. I want to clothe you. I want to welcome you into my kingdom. I want to bless you with kingdom economics. I want to bless you with my presence. I want to bless you with my provision. But you keep Making excuses why you can't participate. And when I look at the church world today, and I look at it globally, I see that there's a global move of God. I know that there's a global move of God, one of the greatest moves of God around the world that we've ever seen. But when I look at the American church and the American culture, I wonder, where's our passion for God? Where's our passion in 2018 God is calling us. He says, you know something there's a harvest somewhere and if those that you have been working with to try to help is not responding then go find someone else. Some of you pe- some of you folks have been hounding people for five years. come to church with me, come to church with me, come to church with me and it's become a game to them and you need to just say, okay, when you're ready, let me know and go expend your energy somewhere else and find someone else and say, come on, God wants you to be part of the kingdom. God wants to come into your heart and into your life and he wants to be active in every single day of your life. Why? Because God wants his house filled. Now, it's filled this morning and there's probably people in the overflow rooms. That's because we quit doing two services and went down to one because it's too hard to do That many services with a small staff. But God wants His house filled. And no no excuse for God is good enough. No excuse for mediocrity is good enough. In fact, in Revelation chapter 3, verses 14 through 16, He was talking to the Laodicean church, and here's what He said. Under the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, These things saith the Amen, the faithful and the true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know your works, that you aren't cold or hot. If you were cold or hot, So then because you're lukewarm and neither cold or hot, I'll spew you out of my mouth. God is speaking to his church today. And he's telling the church, get on board. Get fired up. Allow me to motivate you. Get excited about what I can do. You see, here's the thing. The message of Calvary is the driving force of the gospel. The message of Calvary is the driving force of the gospel. Why do you say that, Pastor? Because I'm concerned that the message of Calvary is getting lost in today's spiritual consumer culture. How long has it been since the church world heard a message of the cross that drove them to their knees in either gratitude or repentance? What's coming out of the pulpits in America today? Because what's coming out of the pulpits in America is what's, co- is what's going around the world. So what's coming out of the pulpits that we call gospel today? When is the last time that you've heard somebody actually get on television and preach and we do it, but when's the last time that you've heard like the church world just gravitate around this message of there's power in the blood of Jesus? When is that? You see, there's so many things being discussed from America's pulpits today that are packaged as the gospel that are nothing more than life coaching. Now, pastor, are you against life coaching? No, I'm not against life coaching. I think life coaching can be great. We all need a little help every now and then, but when it comes to church, we need the preacher to preach the gospel. You can let the psychologist do your life coaching, but let the preacher preach the gospel. You see, life coaching produces healthy mentality, but when it's coming out of the pulpit, it produces an anemic church. Listen, I want to help you get to heaven. I want to help you experience the blessing of God in your everyday life. I want to help you enjoy the journey. I want to help you see the benefits of living for the Lord. I want to help, help you be able to connect with God so when you go through a tough time in your life, you know that God is there. I also want you to experience the joy of His presence whether you need anything from Him or not, I want you to experience the joy of His presence. And that only happens through relationship. Life coaching is about. Building up your mentality. Life coaching is about telling you what to do so your life can be better. The message of the gospel of Jesus Christ is centered around the cross of Jesus Christ and the blood of Jesus Christ. And if the enemy can get us off over here into a pop psychology gospel instead of preaching the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ, then he will have achieved in coming in the back door and stopped the message of the gospel of Jesus from going around around the world from behind the pulpit. Why are you concerned about this, Pastor? Because it's still the message of Jesus that sets people free. It's still the message of Jesus that saves and heals and delivers. Galatians chapter 1, verses 6 through 10 in the Amplified Bible deals quite handily with these other Gospels. And here's what it says, and this is in the Amplified. Paul, writing to the church of Galatia, said, I am surprised and astonished that you're so quickly turning renegade and deserting him who invited and called you by the grace or the unmerited favor of God, by the grace of Christ, the Messiah, and that you are transferring your allegiance to a different, even an opposition, gospel Not that there is or could be any other genuine gospel, but there are obviously some who are troubling and disturbing and bewildering you with a different kind of teaching which they offer as a gospel and want to pervert and distort the gospel of Christ, the Messiah, into something which it absolutely is not. Then he goes on in verse number 18 and he, or verse number 8, and he reiterates it again in verse number 9. He says this, but even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to and different from that which we preached to you, let him be accursed. And that means anathema or devoted to destruction or doomed to eternal punishment. And he was so passionate about that statement that he turned around in verse number 9 and he said it again. As we said before, so I now say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel different from or contrary to that which you receive from us, let him be accursed, anathema, devoted to destruction, doomed to eternal punishment. Now am I trying to win the favor of men or of God? Do I seek to please men? For if I were seeking popularity with men, I should not be the bondservant of Christ, the Messiah. So what the Apostle Paul was trying to get across there was simply this. Preach the gospel. Preach the message of the gospel. Preach that Jesus came... Preach that Jesus walked the face of this earth. Preach that he was born of a virgin. Preach that he walked the Via Dolorosa. Preach that he was hung on a cross. Preach that he cried, it is finished. Preach that he died and gave up the ghost. Preach that three days later, he rose again from a borrowed tomb and preach that a few days after that, he ascended up into heaven and said, I'm coming back someday to take you home. That's the message of the gospel. He said, preach The gospel. Preach the gospel. My prayer today is that God's church would get back to the basics of the gospel. That we would get back to preaching about Calvary. That we would get back to preaching about the blood of Jesus. That we would get back to preaching about deliverance. That we would get back to preaching about salvation. That we would call sin, sin and saints, saints. Now, I'm not a hellfire and brimstone preacher. You know that. I believe in it, but I'm not a hellfire and brimstone preacher. But I think God's looking for a generation of ministers that's going to rise up, that's going to start preaching heaven high and hell hot again. I mean, you know, nobody wants anyone to go to hell. I'm the last person in the world that wants anyone to go to hell. I can make a whole lot more money doing something else. But I spend my life, and I chose to spend my life because of the call of God upon my life as a young lad, trying to help people get to heaven. And we're not helping people get to heaven by preaching a watered down version of the gospel. Amen. The gospel. When they drove the nails in his hands, it was real hands and it was real nails. And he cried. He cried. When they put that cat of nine tails on his back 39 times, he wept and he cried. When they shoved the crown of thorns on his head, he wept and he cried. It was real, church. It was real. It was real. Just go put a grapevine on the top of your head and try to pull it down and see what happens. His was full of thorns. It was real. And because we don't want to run people off and because we don't want to make the message of the gospel unattractive or somebody said to me here year before last actually and it was so vivid I remember it even to this day almost like it was yesterday. They said, I don't preach too much about the blood anymore because I don't want people to think that Jesus and all of those back then were barbarians. I said, so that's the excuse that the devil has used to convince you not to preach about the blood. The blood of Jesus still cleanses us from our sin. The blood of Jesus still washes our sin as far as the east is from the west and remembers that sin against us no more. The blood of Jesus Christ is as powerful today as it was the day that it flowed down Calvary's cross and bathed the the rocks at the foot of the cross and flowed down Calvary's mountain. That blood is still powerful enough to cleanse and to wash and to purify and to clean. The blood that stained the old rugged cross is still as powerful as it was. It reaches to the highest mountain and it flows down to the lowest valley. Jesus and the message of Calvary and the message of the cross is still the answer for the world today. Global evangelism is still the heart of God. Matthew 24 and 14 says this, And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for witness unto all nations, and then shall the end come. So it was in the spirit of the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ that Dr. Bill Bright, the founder of the Campus Crusade for Christ, and Dr. Lauren Cunningham, the founder of Youth with a Mission, developed these seven fears, mountains, mountains. Pillars of societal influence. Now God, you say, the word of God says that he compels us. We are to compel people. Go into the highways and and the hedges and compel them to come in. And in my notes here today, I put that the highways and the hedges could very well be these seven spheres of influence. We need to get God back in the pulpits again. That's religion. We need to get God back in our families again. We need to get God back in our education again. We need to get God back in our government again. We need to get God back in media again. And we need to get God back in arts and entertainment again. And God is looking for godly businessmen and women so we can have God back in our business again. The world needs to hear. They need to hear the message of the gospel. They need to hear John three sixteen and 17 fresh. They need to hear it again. So many times we think, well, everybody's heard it. I've heard it all of my life. It's hanging on my refrigerator at home. It's hanging on the wall in the hallway. There it is. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world but that the world through him might be saved. I can quote that because I learned it in Sunday school. And I learned it from this little lady sitting right here on the second row, my mama. She taught me how to memorize Scripture. And it comes out every time I preach Scripture, Scripture, Scripture. That's mama. But this year, our 18 year olds were born on Y2K, the year 2000. That seems like yesterday, doesn't it? In the last 10 or 15 years, how many times have we been in a Sunday school class? Hello. How many times have we heard messages on John 3:16? What I'm trying to say is this generation doesn't have the foundation of faith that we did. We take our foundation of faith for granted, but we need to start preaching the foundations again. We need to start talking about the foundations of the faith again over coffee and over tea and around the family table again. We need to start telling our kids, you know, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That gospel message must not die for God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world but that the world through him might be saved it's not a message of condemnation it's a message of the love of God so the world needs to hear John three sixteen and 17 again the world needs to hear passionate preaching again the world especially needs to experience God's power in demonstration again I pray I don't just hope and I don't just prophesy however you want to say it I pray that the days of superstar preachers are over. Amen. I want Jesus to be the bright and morning star. I want Him to be the superstar. The world needs to experience God's power and in demonstration. And God needs ministers who will stand in the pulpit and will not preach another gospel but will preach that God loves people and that God cares about them and that God sent His Son Jesus to die, they'll preach the gospel. So in closing today, the time has come for the church to take her place in the world. Last week I shared with you, we answered some of those questions about, well, if God is so powerful and all of that, Then how come there's so much famine in the world? And how come there's so much war? And how come there's so much suffering in the world? And I shared with you, God did do something about that. He gave the world the church. And he mandated the church to take care of the suffering and the hurting. The reason there's so much going on in the world like that is because the church is not being the church. We're not taking our place. The world needs the church to take its place. So it's time for the church to take her place in the world. God needs us to be. The lost need us to be. Our future generations need us to be. And our cultures need us to be the church. They need us to be the church. Now, I still believe. Go ahead, Mike. Go ahead. I still believe in the message of Calvary. And I still believe that God's Word is true. And I think and believe and believe that the Word of God declares it and supports this, that the message of the gospel is multi-generational and multicultural. This thing about Well, that's an old church. This is a young church. So go to the young church if you're young. Go to the old church if you're old. That's segregationism. That's not biblical. We're all going to heaven together. When we get to heaven, God's not going to say, Okay, you came through the pearly gate, all the old folks over there and all the young folks over there. That's not the way heaven's going to be. First of all, I wouldn't put up with that because I love my kids too much to put up with that. I want to hang out with them. And I got a grandbaby now, who came to see me right before church in my little prayer room back there and just captured my heart again. She wanted some anointing oil, so I gave it to her. What I'm saying is, church, let's not get caught in this trap of of, well this is this generation's church and that's that generation let's be accepting of everyone let's respect the needs of all generations let's respect the needs of all cultures let's realize that the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ transcends the petty differences that the enemy offers us let's embrace the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ the, the world needs the church to be the church. We are ambassadors of faith. Let's stand. Thank you for joining us on Working the Word. For more information, go to our website at www.suncoast4, and that's the number for jesus.tv. You may also write us at 12637 Pony Lane, Hudson, Florida, 34669. Or you may call us at 727- 856-1770 Our office hours are Monday through Wednesday 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. Thursdays 9 a.m. to 2 p.m. And remember, the word will work if you work the word.